you have your Bible, would you open to Matthew, uh, Mark, sorry, Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. I'm going to begin at verse 21. Is a reading from Mark, chapter 4, verses uh, 21 to 34. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Excuse me. Pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use. It will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle, puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when, when it is sown, it grows up, and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out branches so that and puts out large branches so that birds of the air can make nests in its shade with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it he did not speak to them without a parable but private, privately to his own disciples he explained everything the word of the lord God. So this is the, uh, the Hyder CFX Superpower flashlight. Apparently it blinds you if you look right at it. But apparently if I shine this on something like it, it, it will amaze you as to what the power is. So here I'm going to demonstrate. Okay. There you go. We'll wait and see. Just think about it a minute. Now, we are going to continue on, while it's demonstrating behind me, we are going to continue on talking about the parable of the sower. You say, well, didn't we do the parable of the sower last week? Well, Jesus, we talked about what a a parable is, right? It's the Greek word para, alongside, balo, to throw. So it's a teaching that's thrown alongside something that was happening in his world right now, which would be like, for those of you going back to geometry class or uh, other classes in high school this week, what does parable make you think of in math? A parabola, all right? Just in case you've forgotten over the summer, I can see some of you are shaking your heads and getting all sweaty thinking about this. It's exactly the same word. You realize parable and parabola, exactly the same derivation, etymology, that they're the same, I mean, whatever, that's, that's a parable. So, if you, if you think of Jesus in the sort of the bottom of the center where the parable starts, he does something and then he throws alongside a teaching or a story and they're both pointed in the same direction. Okay? So that's this little trivia. 
you can say, because you, li- you know I like trivia, so it's a little trivia, parable and parabola. So, um, the, the idea here of Jesus, he continues now with two small sort of sayings, and then two very short parables that illuminate all the mysterious stuff that he's talked about in the parable of the sower. Remember, that's his first parable in Mark. And essentially what he says is so confusing. (laughs) He says parables are going to make it really, really clear what I'm saying to you and really, really hidden from what I'm saying to you at the exact same time. These parables are going to make what I've just done and said really clear or really unclear. Say, what? He said, the difference is, do you have light? Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? Do you have ears to hear? If you don't have ears to hear, and they're like, we all have ears. He says, no, you don't. Not the kind of ears I'm talking about. If you don't have ears to hear, this is all going to confuse you. It's going to be mysterious and dark. But if you have ears to hear, then you're going to understand what I'm saying. And so there's this mystery that he talks about. And we're going to learn a little more about this because this is, remember, Mark is about the king revealing who Jesus is and the kingdom, what it looks like when Jesus comes. And so these parables tell us things about what it looks like. Here's the problem with so many of us, all right, in, in our Christian lives, is that we've sometimes been sold a bill of goods that says being a Christian is maybe accepting Christ into your life or whatever terminology you've used or repenting of your sins. And then somehow we think, I just sort of maybe learn the Bible a little bit or I, or I do good things or I try to be a good person and somehow that's the kingdom. It's No, the kingdom, it's knowing Jesus changes Everything. It means it's a total change. Everything about it. The kingdom life is different. We live in this world, but we're not of it. And he talks over and over and over again. And we're going to see this over and over in Mark as to uh, how the kingdom looks different. And then he goes about demonstrating it. We talked about last week, and we're going to see him heal people. We're going to see him take authority over the demon. Uh, the demoniacs, and he's going to do all these things in order so that we would hear what he says that points to what he does and who he is, okay? So we, he, what he does makes us listen to what he says that points to who he is, okay? So it's, it's kind of a review. He starts, remember, the demonstration is going on under here, right? Okay. Just remember that, because I think you've already forgotten about it, right? I want you to be riveted to this demonstration that's happening under the altar. So, Matthew 5, if you have your, I'm sorry, uh, Mark 4, uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Mark 4, 21, where we started. And Jesus, right after the parable of the sower, says, he says to them, Mark's adding on here to the parable of the sower, he says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not on a stand. Nothing's hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except it come to light. Right? I'm sure Ryan Lochte wishes he had known this verse before he did what he did. We think we have secrets. He was, if you don't know, he was an Olympian who did some stuff that didn't, didn't fess up, and he got caught. And 
we all have done this. You know, we can laugh about that. But, you know, guys, you know, you've done things and you've hoped you wouldn't be found out. And you may think you've done stuff and nobody knows. And first biblical principle of the kingdom, it's going to come to light. Okay? Now, will it all come to light on this earth? Maybe not. There are some things that will go, this isn't all there is. This is not all. If if this is all there is, you're not a Christian. A Christian means this is just a breath to an eternity. And when you get before God, everything, it says, every even a careless word will be lit up. Now, thank God we're not punished for it. Because if you're a Christian, you've fallen under the blood of Christ. But let's not bring the shame of all the things. We want to bring and live in light, right? Not in darkness. So that those of you who have, like me, done things that we're embarrassed about and shamed of and we've locked as it were, about stuff, let's not cast aspersions on him. Let's be quick to confess the first time and say, Lord, I am a miserable failure who needs the grace and love of Jesus. If you can say that, welcome to the club. It doesn't put you below. It puts us all level at the foot of the cross. All right? So let's just kind of get that. So that the light, let's just not make any illusions that somehow this is any more complicated up front than it should be, which is light light will cast away darkness. Second thing I want to say about this two little saying, this isn't really a parable, but a saying, he says, about the lamp under the basket is, I always sort of thought of it in the same way that I did Matthew 5, which uses similar language in the Sermon on the Mount, Um, but it is different. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says what? You are the light of the world, right? He says, don't hide it under a, don't hide your light under a bushel or a basket. He says, let your good works be seen before men that they may glorify God. So, I kind of read that when I would read Mark 4. I sort of said, well, that's kind of the same thing. But it isn't. Because if you read the, the Greek and what it actually says in the context of what he's been talking about with the word coming and the kingdom coming, here's what it, here's what it literally says in Mark 4.21. Has the lamp not come? Listen to that again. It's not you are the light of the world. It says this. Has the lamp, Jesus says, has the lamp not come? Now, who's Jesus talking about? He's talking about himself. In John 8, he says, Jesus spoke to them, I'm the light of the world. In John 9, he says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Over and over again, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Before you can ever be the light of the world, He's got to be the light of your world. Now, why is that important? I grew up uh, doing church things and stuff, and, you know, you learn the, this little light of mine, right? I'm going to let it shine. And, you know, I'm thinking as a a young person, what I'm processing that is, I better be really good because I got a lot of shining to do. And, man, I'm not that shiny. I'm pretty dark, frankly. So I can say, so I better try really hard to be good. That's kind of what I got out of that. And that's, again, that's a wrong answer. That is not what the Scripture teaches. The kingdom only comes when the king is the king. Get that? The kingdom only comes when the king is the king. Now, if there's a kingdom in your heart 
It only comes if Jesus Christ is the king of your heart. If you want the kingdom of God to be real in your home and your home life and the way you communicate and the way you raise your kids, Jesus has got to be king there and his word has to be followed. If we want him to be king in our communities, in our nation, he's got to be king. So anywhere the kingdom goes, he has to be the king. He has got to be the light of the world. And then when he fills us with light, we can be the light of the world. But make no mistake, you cannot be good enough to be the light of the world. Okay? You don't have the energy and strength. It's too daunting. You don't, you don't. You will burn out and you will wear out. But God says, I have my spirit to be left to you to make you light. When, what, did, what did he say? When I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. He went out of the world and what did he leave us? His Holy Spirit. To begin to make us light. So if you don't know how to call upon and be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be. Because trying will exhaust you. Now, do we need to make effort? Certainly. But it's not in being the light. It's in walking in fertile fields and letting the word be planted in a fertile soil. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. The second thing he says, remember the demonstration going on, I hope, So far, you're liking what you're seeing. All right. So, let's uh, see here. It says, uh, the second part, second little saying, like the first, says this, verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Because remember, some some people are going to hear this, and some people are not going to hear this, what he's saying. He said to them, pay attention to what you hear, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Boy, that sounds pretty harsh, right? Don't we want to give more to people who have less, so that everybody's got the equal amount of toys? Like that's, We read that sometimes, and we think, that sounds pretty like non-loving, To him who has more, more will be given? That sounds like some philosophy I wouldn't buy into. What's he talking about? All right. So, I didn't really like to cook, but my mom thought I should know how to not starve So before I went to college. So she taught me to cook. And uh, the only cool thing I thought about, learned about cooking, was how to make a level, uh, what is a third of a cup? Level teaspoon, level tablespoon, right? You know how to make a level one, right? So this is a level. You take something... And mom would say, take something and just rub it across the top, right? Make a level. Now, you probably didn't know, but there's also, you can take less and make, this is a scant, right? This is a, what? Round, you know, rounded becomes before heap. And, and by the way, heaping is grammatically incorrect. It's heaped. Okay. <laughs> you have heaped, rounded, scant, but you can't do level unless you have something to level it with, right? So anyway, you got to get stuff off. All right. Why do I tell you that? Cooking lessons are free at this church. So why do I tell you that? Because what in the world is he talking about in this? Well, he tells us when he starts, pay attention to what you're hearing. For with the measure you use to what? The verb, the act of verb here is to hear. What? Are you hearing scantly? Are you hearing level? Are you hearing rounded? Are you hearing heaped? What? 
That's what he's talking about. Are you a generous hearer? In physical terms, like, you know people who don't really listen, right? And I am one, so I know them. I can recognize them. You know, you, now you can tell us, because you know we're forming our response before we've heard what you have to say, right? You can just tell. The wheels are spinning. You know, your spouse, my spouse has made the first line, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say, and I've missed the 90%, right? That is a scant hearer, right? Second thing is, you don't hear what they're saying. It's the lawyer part. Ah, you get the word, you get the exact word wrong, and you're not hearing the spirit of what they're saying, right? You talk with people like that. No, no lawyer involves lawyer things. Are fine. I love lawyers. But you, you know how it is when they'll jump on one word and they miss the spirit of what's being said, right? You're a scant hearer. A, a generous hearer hears the heart and hears what's being said and also the spirit of what's being said And you receive in hearing that far more than the person says to you. We all know when we've said something and it's been rejected because it was said wrong. Well, I think the Lord is trying to tell us here is that if you want to be in the kingdom of God, you've got to listen to Christ, listen to his word generously. Sometimes I think we want to go through and we want to pick things apart, and that's fine in one sense of being diligent, but we don't want to miss the heart of God and everything he's left to us and in the living word, Jesus Christ. And so he says, listen again with this, pay attention to what you hear, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. Why? Because when you hear, you get to hear more and more and more. And you, you get deeper insight and you get more uh, glean, gleaning from that. But to the one who has, more will be given. More generous hearing. And from the one who doesn't have, who wants to pick apart every little thing, even the little during the drift, I'll, I'll stop here. Let me just a little theology lesson on top of the cooking lesson. There's general revelation and there's special revelation. That's the way theologians describe it. General revelation is that which all humans should be able to look around and understand. That they should be able to glean, the Bible says, from seeing the kind of earth we have, that there is a creator. You don't have to be a Christian to appreciate that. And that at some point you can generally just receive the sunshines on the good and the bad alike. Thank you for the perfect temperature that we live on in this earth, because try living on Mercury or Pluto, right? Thank you, Lord, for all the good that you have brought. That's general revelation. It has nothing to do with becoming a Christian. Special revelation is that which is revealed to you about who Jesus Christ is, and that can't be received generally, right? And so, in a sense, it says, I feel like the Bible is saying, even there are, today, we live in a generation where even general revelation, people scoff at that because it's all naturalistic. It's all just a product of random chance, right? And I think one of the saddest things about that is that even the little you could receive, even the joy of being in a created world is taken away because now you're just a bunch of molecules and electrons on a rock spinning into space completely purposeless. I hate that. Don't you? 
And so the, even the little we have can be taken away if we won't hear even the general whisper of I love you. So, he tells us then two short parables that help us to understand this kingdom. And they're both quite short. And beginning at verse 26, this one again, all these I think on their face to me can be a little puzzling. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Remember the sower? It's the same idea. Just scattering seed. He sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once it puts, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, I think we could glean, if we don't listen with good ears, we could glean, well, I don't need to do anything. I just need to memorize Bible verses and then, you know, everything will happen naturally. Believe me, if you've ever... Go till your soil and don't do anything. You know, don't garden and do nothing, right? This is not saying you don't have to do anything to grow in your faith. Let me tell you what I do think it's saying is that we're less in charge than we think we are. Right? I say this all the time, but it is really true. We have this illusion of control. Like we, we make all these decisions and somehow we're going to control the great outcome of life. I got news for you. You you are pretty limited in your control, uh, as am I. Okay? However, God is not. And where, what is this teaching us, I think, is that it's presupposing that this seed is being planted in the fertile soil, in the good soil. Remember the four uh, types of soil that the sower talks about? Well, this is growing as you put it in, so... It's got to be in that fourth soil, that soft heart, that listening ear. And then you're not going to cut corners. You're not going to take shortcuts on how the growth is going to happen. I don't know about you, but you know, it is, I am not where I want to be. And I think, man, I've been doing this for walking with Christ for 35 years, and I still stumble in certain areas that I just think, wow. Really? I'm still there? But the seed continues to grow, and when I look back and see how much God has changed me, has changed my family, has changed some of you, I think it does, but it happens slowly, and you're not going to bypass the hard steps. Where does the, how does it grow? It says, first the blade... Then the ear. I've been waiting for my raspberry plants to get sweet for yesterday. I got my first thing. I've been plucking those suckers off early, and they're not ripe because they're starting to look red. I got these things by my house, and I, I, I so want the taste of raspberry. But I am so impatient. And so yesterday for the first time they sort of were sweet and they were ripe but I've wasted about 40 because I keep thinking it's probably it's probably ready I'm like ugh it's not ready I know I know it's not the right color some of you all think in your in your Christian walk well two things I will say is one if you're not planted in fertile soil you're never going to ripen two Even if you are planted in fertile soil, give yourself a break. 
terms of pushing yourself to be Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, all right? Fertile soil, keep walking with Christ, keep making for the things little by little, and your fruit will ripen and you will be sweet and red. I think. I'm not sure that's a great analogy, but you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. Um, finally, last story. Last, very, very short parable. He says, and what can we compare the kingdom of God? I'm going through these slowly because I feel like Jesus went through these because this is the point of the gospel that Mark was trying to get us. How do we understand the kingdom? And this is the nature of how it grows in us. If the kingdom is not growing in you, okay, you're missing out on the good things. Okay? Because the Christian life without the kingdom growing with you is burdensome. It is. It is burdensome because it will become law. It will become rules. Okay. Finally, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable shall we use? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds. Yet when it is sown, grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. We often talk about this, the smallest of seeds and how teeny, I didn't even bring you because you've all seen a teeny little mustard seed and it grows into about a seven, six or seven foot plant. It, it, it is cool. I just want to say this, right? It's, it's not the most mustard plants of, of which this grows. It's not the most amazing. It's not like an orchid or something, whatever. It's the size of it and it's the, it, it, it's a, it starts so small and it grows to become so productive and it's, it doesn't come with a big splash. It doesn't come with, with a big production. I, I just want to tell you, the PR, God's PR department is pretty sorely lacking in many respects. The way Jesus went about it was not like the way we would do it to market a product. He just went about his business being the king and watching the kingdom come. It may start... The work in God's life in you may start so, so small, so unnoticed, but it's going to produce such great blessing, such remarkable growth. Keep going. Don't give up. If you haven't seen the growth in you, you haven't seen what you want to see in your life, you haven't seen the kingdom of God, don't get discouraged. Here we go. You've forgotten all about it again, right? Not really. So... I bring it back to this, and I'm not going to shy because I really, I love you guys enough not to blind you because if I go like that, it could blind, it says, it says in the little instruction thing, I could blind you. I don't want to do that. No, it'd be kind of, I'd like to see it, but really, no, not really. <laughs> the reason I did that under there is because you and I have within us the greatest treasure known to man lives inside you if you're a Christian. And you don't have to go about trying to do anything other than have this light which is so powerful and so redemptive, if you put it inside you and you live with God's word and you ask God's spirit to come in and you reject the sin which so easily entangles us and you ask God to be a light inside you, the light of the world, light of the world, come be the light in me. 
He is able to push the darkness back. But if we push it and just say, well, I don't want to offend, or I don't want to be pushy, or I don't want to do it, neither do I. And Jesus doesn't want you to offend or be pushy in the, in, the, in the worldly sense. You don't have to worry about that. You'll be offensive anyway, believe me. Even as nice as you can be, you will. By being a light. Why? Darkness hates light. It does. I'm sorry, it just does. And, and you're going you're gonna to be with people who love darkness and they don't want to be around light. But if you push this and, and, and put it under and just decide your, you know, your faith is going to be so private that it might as well be under there, then it'll just be forgotten. And so I just ask us to be wise as to how we put this light inside of us and allow that seed of the kingdom of God to grow in us so that we do the things of God. Remember? He says, you are the light of the world. And show your good deeds. Why? So that that's an end in and of itself? No. So that they would listen to what you say, that you would point them to the light of the world. We do to be heard, to point them to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your light, well, we don't have to try, Father, that if we've asked you in, if we ask you to be the light of the world, if we ask you to be our light, Lord, you will do it. And your kingdom, Lord, grows as we become generous hearers. As we do the things that make the, that the, the word of God grows in us, it will produce fruit in due time. Lord, it will produce more abundantly than we can ask or imagine. It is not only possible, it's going to happen because that's the nature of your word, never returning void from what it set out to do. Lord, but this doesn't happen because of what we do, but because of what you did, Lord. It, it, it wasn't because of our goodness, but because of yours.